0: Ethan and Benjamin Castle are Americans Watching the footy Liam Ryan saying kick it my way, I want to jump over the pack and here he comes This is Buddy Franklin This is the greatest shot Handball off to Myers, Myers looking for the lead, of Stengel. goal, gee they're good, gee they sharp, oh who else, McDonough, <laughs> from inside the centre square, boys get the goal, boys get the goal, from inside the centre Final episode of Season 1 of Americans Watching the Footy. I'm Ethan Castle. I'm Benjamin Castle. No ASMR, no whatever else we've done for cold opens lately. We just wanted to be actually sort of sincere for a moment and say thanks for sticking with us through Season 1. We look forward to turning gears pretty quickly and moving on to Season 2. But before we do that, we've got our last news, everyone, of the year. Yeah, so, didn't expect all that many items this week with clubs going on their Christmas breaks. And yes, they do call them Christmas breaks. For some reason, people in America sometimes get offended when you call it Christmas break, but, I mean, that's what it is. Everyone else orients their break around it. Unless you're a Jewish school, you don't take a break for Hanukkah. It just happens to fall at the same time as some breaks this year. I don't think Jewish schools even take breaks for Hanukkah. I mean, I think it's just winter break. Fair enough. But, um, the woes for Carlton continue. For some reason, they thought Sam Walsh wouldn't need surgery, and now it's four months later, and he does? It's on the same disc that kept him out for round 23 against Collingwood. The hope for a long time was that he wouldn't need an operation. Now that he's had one, he's out for the start of next season, so add him to a growing list that also includes Kilda's Max King. Disc with a C or K. I would think C. I usually see C when it regards some sort of medical matter like a herniated disc which this is you see both so it's weird but i guess c is the the typical one i it was written as micro on the carlton website with a letter c when i google it both pop up don't they uh for ruptured the first results are with a c for herniated the first are with a k no idea just weird spelling stuff but i'm not sure how much of it is u.s versus Commonwealth? I don't think it is, because one of the top results for the K was Mayo Clinic. No idea whatsoever, but um, yeah, I don't get why they waited around this long to figure things out. You had all kinds of time. You had the longest possible offseason because you missed finals. There's an NFL comparison with Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals waiting to have surgery, and that potentially risking his entire 2023 season. The difference is Kyler Murray sucks and Sam Walsh makes his team better. And also Carlton are a team that I would think would want to tank in any way, shape, or form, especially with the upswing they had last year. I don't get it. Will definitely mean a more important role for Adam Chera in some of the upfield movement early on. I liked what Chera was able to do in round 23, getting that sort of involvement. Definitely helped facilitate Patrick Cripps. The two of them were the two and three vote getters for that game, even though, um, they lost. Pretty rare to see the Brownlow be won on a best-on-ground performance in a losing effort in the final round. Need to ask Swamp the last time that happened. Couple of extensions at Collingwood. Brody Mayachek gets two more years through 2024. And Jack Crisp, three years through 2025. expected those free agency situations to be resolved a little sooner, but I didn't expect them to be going anywhere. Majacek, when healthy, was productive, and Crisp was one of the most consistent disposal getters and movers, especially through that corridor. He was really the guy that kind of linked the midfield group to the other parts of the field. And with Majacek, it's kind of crazy to think, as good as Collingwood were last year, a lot of that came without Majacek at full strength. So that's one area in which they could improve this coming year, although there should be some regression expected in some. That is one sort of positive regression area you could look at. They don't have that one true tall target there at key forward. I mean, I don't think Majacek and Johnson are what you would call the key type. Both Majacek and Johnson are 6'4", so around 193 centimeters. Yeah, I mean, and Mason will get pulled forward now and then, but not as that, you know, constant target. That was one thing I thought they might try to address in the trade period, especially with the loss of Brody Grundy. Maybe they are just looking to, at this point, have whoever isn't taking those contests between Mason Cox and Darcy Cameron, go more into the 50 and try to solve that. I mean, Mason's an accurate kick, so hopefully he does get those sorts of situations. One last contract extension. Caleb Sarong for four years through 2027. His deal was set to expire at the end of next year. Now the boy who went to Geelong, Grammar isn't going to come to Geelong for at least a little bit longer. Hopefully at some point, if he continues to be productive, I'd certainly like to have him. I'd it- like to see a Caleb versus Jai Sarong big Easter Monday show nope. now. That would be fun. You know, I kinda like right now. You know, it used to be you know, you usually associate it with like the Lakers or the Yankees or something, you know. You know, anytime a player has any success anywhere, you know, future Yankee or whatever, it's it's more fun when it's like, yep, he's coming to Geelong soon. I I like this a lot more. Especially because it's often true. And in some cases we get draft picks with it. I wouldn't say Jack Bose was all that successful. I think really the reason that he was traded was because he was declining and his contract was terrible. So double bad Gold Coast Suns. Yeah, but it's still cool. The whole situation is pretty funny to me. But that news isn't the reason why we made this episode. We had teased this last time when we were doing our fixture focus. This is all about scrutinizing the 18 club songs, going from the most accurate to the least accurate, just in terms of how truthful are they based on recent trends and just kind of what do we think of the lyrics? We've gone over our rankings of the songs themselves based on the music and the lyrics. We had a ranking special way back during the bye weeks of this past Home and Away season, but this is more looking at the veracity of the lyrics themselves. This was my idea originally. You know, a couple years ago, you had, you know, a team of independent fact checkers. Well, Now we're a team of independent fact checkers. We're going to verify whether or not each club song is actually true. We kind of broke it down into tiers. We gave them each a grade of 1 to 10. And then because a lot of them ended up with same scores, we just kind of put them each into tiers. I'll say that my scores tended to be a little bit lower than Ethan's in general. But we followed similar treads throughout. And we definitely agreed on the top and the bottom. And it all kind of comes full circle. Because after round one, we talked about how Benjamin thought about the ending of the game when he was in the tub, and this is something that I came up with in the shower. So you're the one that gave the bathtub remark in the first place. I said nothing about that. I don't really take baths anymore, but my tub isn't really decent enough size for that, sadly. I can picture it, though, you know, and then you go to check on something, and you come back into the room, and there's Patrick. Hey, buddy, I warmed it up for you. And then and then Patrick roasts Russell Wilson. Yeah, and, you know, you've got your glass of wine in the tub and your candles. And then afterwards, you put on your oversized nightgown and sleeping hat thing. And you do the, meme the meme sleeping show. hat with the bob on it. And Morgan were going me snoring. But just remember, Patrick star roasted Russell Wilson. If you guys didn't see the Nickelodeon broadcast of the Broncos Rams game this past Sunday in America, Monday morning in Australia, it was beautiful. But yeah, um, to the rankings we go, and I said last time that Geelong would probably be near or at the top, and here we are, the S tier, the only one that we both rated 9 out of 10. We didn't rate any of them 10 out of 10, just because I don't think there's one that could be completely accurate, but we both ranked Geelong 9 out of 10. Now, just a lot of lyrics are aspirational in a lot of songs, talking about how... We want to be the best. We're going to win. We aim to do this. Geelong just flat out says they're the greatest team of all, and they play the game as it should be played. And aside from Tom Stewart's suspension this year, and maybe not having the most premierships, you could argue that that goes against them for greatest team of all. But, uh, I mean, checked out for this year. Yeah, and obviously Richmond fans are going to complain about it if they kind of have other things to complain about, like, you know, the couple times a year they don't get to play at the G, and also just having five defenders back and none of them getting on the ball or to Joe Danaher. The other thing that I can't confirm is what time of day the banners fly at Cardinia Park. You know, I would imagine, you know, it's possible that someone goes out there, you know, at sunrise and puts them up and at sunset and takes them down. I mean, it. it this isn't a military cemetery, though. I would think it's more likely they just go they just either stay up or, you know, when facilities open for the day they go up or something. But they suddenly suddenly fly to Virginia Park. And that said, this is a club with enough like dedicated community members that you could have someone who's very, very adamant about this and you know, they check the forecast day. It's like, all right, sunrise is at five fifty-one. The flags are going up at five fifty-one. It 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 could happen. It's unlikely but we can't prove or disprove it for sure. It's kind of I'm kind of being agnostic about this. I feel like we need to fact check this ourselves when we make our footy pilgrimage, whatever that is, just kind of stake out at Cardinia Park at sunrise and see if the banners are up 2025, you think? So that's the one S tier song. In the A plus tier, we've got four. Yeah, a lot of these we just noted are pretty accurate and we're doing pluses because the bottom tier ought to be F. And we definitely do have an F tier. Um, Frio, way to go. You know, the lyrics are pretty simple, pretty straight and to the point. Aspirational over hit real hard, set him down below, give him the old heave ho. I mean, they're largely a defensive-based team. Yes, it's more based off of pressure and spatial awareness and stuff rather than just beating the shit out of people. But I think they can roll and rock him. I think that they, the- they did. Is gun- cool, yeah, I-, I don't have much objection to it. I mean... Again, a lot of aspirational lyrics I'm okay with as a whole. I don't think a lot of people ha- would have had this pegged as a pretty accurate song at the start of this year, but eh, it's still there still wouldn't have been that much to object to. Maybe, but their recent success definitely helps. And I just want to note again that, Ethan, you and I both hopped on the Frio train pretty early. I think you were a little before me. A couple weeks ago, Nathan O'Driscoll was the answer on Warple, you know, the footy version of Wordle. And I'm not sure what kind of weird noise I made or if I clapped like an amused seal, but that was fun. There had been like a two-month drought without a Geelong player. This was like, you know, a deep state conspiracy. They found out that I keep all the ducks in my house. And finally, in the last couple of weeks, we've had a couple. We had Atkins, we had Blitzov's, I think we've had one other. What line was Ryan Myers and you got it in one? Well, if maybe you, you got a silhouette, I got it in, in one. Who do you usually start with on War? I usually just start with MaxGond. Hmm. I switch it around a couple times. I I don't know. Lately, I've started what I've done. I've started with Shea Bolton, who also had a contract extension, by the way, five years for him. Yeah, five year extension for a 24 year old by most sports standards would be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But it's that's long by AFL standards. We're seeing longer and longer contracts these days. And I'm not sure how much of that could relate to teams maybe thinking there's expansion soon. And in the case of expansion, they want to protect their players who are on longer deals. That could definitely be part of it, and hopefully we get a 19th and a 20th team soon. Make Canberra the 20th, please. All right, sticking the A-plus tier, we've got Melbourne. It's a grand old flag. Um, the only condition, really, is it has to be sung from the point of view of the supporters or the players. But, I mean, the 2021 flag does seem pretty grand after a 57-year drought. And for it being an old flag, I mean, they're the founding club of the game, so there's that. Yeah, this is definitely a song that's true for these supporters and players and largely false otherwise. But I've never really had any qualms with Melbourne. of you? huh? haven't had a reason to yet. I've never really listened to that song and said, oh, that's bullshit. So that's a good sign. There were some times early on this past year where I had some issue with we're from Tigerland. But we have Richmond right along with Frio and Melbourne and one other in this A plus tier. Ethan rated all of these at nine. I rated all of these at eight, weirdly enough. There was no swapping around there. But a lot of prideful lyrics about winning and holding up until the final siren. And based on recent premiership teams, I gave them a pretty good rating. Maybe not as much this year. Risking head and shin? A little much? Maybe? I can see some players that are definitely willing to do that. And um, Dustin Martin also risked his kidney. You know, the we'll never weaken till the final siren's gone. Last season, with the amount of big leads, they pissed away. I would object to that, but, you know, when you look over a window of a few years, you know, there were a lot of times where throughout their big run, you know, the three flags in four years, they would get better as the game went on. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're just looking at this year, I would take issue with the Frio one where Michael Frederick was able to spoil after 30 seconds it lasted. If you want to really nitpick about it, but I'm all right with where it is. Frio, Sydney, Brisbane... There were others. The long game I didn't really qualify as. No, that was just one of the best games of the year. Maybe number two or number three behind a few of the finals. Um, I also kind of boosted them back up a bit because in any weather, you will see us with a grin. Well, they like playing in weather and outdoor conditions because they cry like little bitches every time they have to play at Marvel. Specifically Dim. I mean, it's the whole club, but he's kind of the mouthpiece for it. But I mean, I guess you could put in parentheses in any natural weather but they'd rather be in the elements you know playing football like real men. i bet they have fairly values too the last one in this tier and we just kind of have them going alphabetically here we didn't rank them within the tier there's really not much objectionable in the western Bulldogs song aside for the fact that you can beat them yeah i mean they generally come out snarling you know they come out acting like they want the smoke whether or not they actually do Like, if we look at the most recent time we saw them play, the final in Perth, they came out snarling and then stopped. Really, their last two finals in Perth, they were like that. Actually, no, they didn't quite come out snarling in the 2021 grand final, but they came out of halftime snarling, and then Caleb Daniel tackled backs gone. And for some reason, that was an off switch. Or was it more of an on switch for Melbourne? It may have been both. That is one of the strangest kind of inflection points that I've seen in any sporty event in the past few years. Yeah, if you're just listening to us for the first time and want to know, like, why are they so fascinated with that one particular play, it stood out to me as a moment that should have signaled, this game's over. The Bulldogs have wrapped this up. There's no coming back from this. Instead, Melbourne kicked 12 unanswered goals. That should not happen after somebody who's giving 40 centimeters in a one-on-one makes a tackle we talked about Luke Beveridge's extension last time. He's someone who definitely wants the smoke and is willing to deal the smoke to journalists. But again, just that extension makes no sense to me. And I made a comparison on Twitter between Beveridge and Baltimore Ravens head coach John Harbaugh in that they've been given way too long of a tenure based on one championship. And their percentages and stuff end up being pretty similar. There were a couple songs that I didn't expect in this A tier, which we averaged out to be 8 out of 10. Again, we seem to just highly rate the songs that have a lot of the aspirational lyrics because, I mean, it ought to be true, for example, that you're fighting, fighting, fighting till you hold up the cup and running, running, running all the way. Hey, Gold Coast sons. Here, Gold Coast is one of the three in this tier, My only complaint is it really needs to be sung from the point of the players to be correct. But like, for example, run, run, run all the way. You know, Tuke Miller covers a lot of ground. Noah Anderson as well. I really, really started to take note of how exactly Anderson fit into things this year and how he managed to take some heat off Miller. And hopefully that'll continue because I really like both of them. I think those two being able to both get their moments will be what leads to the biggest success, along with Matt Rowell doing more of his work on the wings. I mean, the Suns have said die a number of times, so the team that never say die, you can dock points there, but I mean... I, I, I disagree on that. I mean, I don't think they've... Early on in their history, this pa- these past couple years, though, they've fought and stuck around in games a whole lot more. They had just a couple heartbreaking losses this year, a couple narrow ones before getting over the hump with uh, Anderson after the siren kick against Richmond. You got another couple games that go their way like that, and yeah, they could very well be in the eight. The only game where they really like withered and played like they didn't give a shit was the game at TWS, and that was a pretty early one. At that time, it was like, all right, same old sons. They need to fire everyone, overturn everything, and Tune kind of changed over the rest of the season to the point where I'm really interested in what they're going to do this coming year. As I said last time, this year is the make-or-break year. Stewart Dew is under contract for two more, but if they don't move up this year, unless there is just this huge Plague of injuries that goes around again. I'm not sure how much another year under the current coaching would benefit the club. All right, next up, power to win, Port Adelaide. Um, I'm kind of mixed on this one. I gave it a nine. Benjamin only gave it a seven. I think, generally speaking, you know, we have the power to win. Yeah, you have the ability to. You just don't do it. And you know, when you're facing top clubs, the the one lyric that I really pick apart actually is the true believers one and all in the bridge because... Yeah, right at the end of the bridge. It's it's really a matter of, in order for fans to be true believers, do they just have to support the team or do they have to be, like, relentlessly positive, you know, sunshine coming out of their asshole? Because if they do have to, and there are some fans that believe that in order to be a fan you have to be, like, overwhelmingly positive and cheer everything your club does at every turn, and this is true in... All sports, but um, if that's true, they don't have a lot of true believers because there are a lot of fans that are finished with Ken Hinckley, and that's totally understandable. I had a little bit of issue with them having the power to rule. I mean, I guess you could say they did. I mean, minor Premiers once recently close a lot, but just never being able to get over the edge of the true believers did sour my opinion of this as well. I do like that this song has more about the history of a club than a lot of others with the uh, for example, with the nod to be the Alberton crowd. I really like that touch. I was hoping that we could have seen a game of the Alberton Oval in the gather round. But you got to value the port home game in round five too much, I guess. I'm glad that they have a couple alternate sites. It's just unfortunate that there are overlaps in round five. I just think the whole thing is going to be super fun in general. I hope so, because I hope that you'll get one out west next. Maybe we could organize our footy pilgrimage around the future. Gather I don't know because I mean it would have to be a trip that covers multiple weeks in order for that to work because it's got to be it has to work out at the right time of year too because when we're likely going to be both off of work would be in the Australian winter you know like June July but the, you know I would rather have like a more normal round I mean it would be cool to do both but and again there is one game that we say that we have to get to in one of our footy pilgrimages and that certainly wouldn't be in a Gather- Because the Alice Springs game stands on its own. Until there's a Northern Territory. You mean until there's a team in the Northern Territory? I doubt that'll ever happen. I don't think the Northern Territory are going to get their own team. I think you'd see Canberra getting it first. Probably, but I can dream. Last song of this tier, and the last one before we take our break, is Sydney, the Red and the White, also known as the Notre Dame Victory March. Again, you say that when you're introducing or talking about this sport to people, you mentioned that the Notre Dame song is used. I think the first one I'll usually mention is either Grand Old Flag or the French National Anthem, but it's up there. I remember when France was playing Australia, you commented how it was nice that they played the Brisbane Live song before the game. Yeah, it was nice. I thought it was it was very thoughtful and accommodating of FIFA. But um, as for Sydney's song, you know, there are some abstract things like Shake Down the Thunder from the Sky. You know, that's kind of just figurative. There's no way you can actually do that. I'm not sure about, you know, Dreamtime stories and things like that, but maybe there's a story about about swans of the elements that could fit in there. I don't think so, because I think that line is also in the Notre Dame victory march. So, Uh, you're trying to cut them some slack. I mean, Port uses it in the Port Adelaide Magpie song as well. Um, But, you know, Cheer, Cheer the Red and the White and Lift That Noble banner High, certainly occurring with their better play as of late. And really, aside from 2020, throughout the 21st century... And because they're New South Wales' team, by and large, they're the largest fan base, too. And it's this is a pretty new era for them, so this is a song that's definitely appropriate for a team that's looking upward. You know, it's interesting, because they had a couple games last year that they didn't win when the odds were great, like, at home against the Suns. They also did have a couple wins when the odds were small, like the big comeback against the Tigers. So, even now, I I guess. But it's, it's one of those that can vary quickly. It can vary very constantly. But I'd say this one generally fits under the umbrella of mostly true with some minor nitpicking. I kind of like how we decided to go from the more true to the less true because it means we have more of an opportunity to roast teams later on as opposed to praiseworthy stuff early, which is just kind of just kind of not really much of a big deal at this point, I guess. There's really one in particular that we had to save for last that's kind of the whole impetus for the structure we gave, but before we do that, it's time for our ad break. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at AmericansFooty. Individually, we are on Twitter at BenjaminHK01 and Castle Media. Most importantly, though, Ethan's feline son, Grian Harambe, who is somewhere right now, at, not in this room, he's having fun somewhere else in the house, is on Instagram at cat Back to the rankings now, and we're getting less and less truthful as we go on, but this is still all right. I mean, still a passing grade with ease. We're in a we're in the beach here now, where these average out is 7.5. Ethan rated both of these as 8. I rated both of these as 7. And the first of them is one that we could definitely see becoming truer next year because you really think that next year is the Brisbane Lions year. If they're going to win one in this cycle... It's going to be this coming year. I think they did enough to start getting over the hum. I would consider next year a disappointment if they don't at least make a grand final. Well, they've gotten over the MCG jinx and their recent winning ways go hand in hand with a lot of the lyrics of the song. I will dispute. Sometimes they don't fight for victory. Sometimes Dane Zorko just fights or just says something completely out of line to Harrison Petty. I'm still surprised they didn't stand him down. Um, Other than that, you know, there are times when they don't fight for victory and they just kind of take it. They had a few of those in the last couple years where they just got blown the fuck out. One thing I like about the Lions song, by the way, and I did mention this in the ranking special, is that with their lyrics, they paid tribute to both the Fitzroy and Brisbane Bears songs. The second version of the Brisbane Bears song, which is the very untrue Brisbane Bears, will live forever. We will always stick together. Yeah, that That would get like the lowest possible rating if they were still around. (laughs) Yeah, um, but one of the lyrics in that was all for one and one for all will answer to the call and that's adapted into the La Marseillaise tune. And obviously you already have enough of a Fitzroy tribute with the melody of the song as well as we will always fight for victory. So I really like how they go really all out at incorporating the club history, both branches of it in their song. And they're now doing that with their jumpers as well with their Clash Jumper really being a Brisbane Bears tribute. Gold with a maroon lion on it and maroon trim. The one thing that could throw off things for the Lions is if Chris Fagan was found to do some pretty heinous stuff during his time at Hawthorne, and that could derail their coaching situation. We don't exactly know when that report is supposed to be finished, but when it is released, the consequences will be interesting, if there are any. Good old Collingwood forever is our other in the B tier. I think the one really big thing is the, oh, the premiership's a cape walk. If it was, they win more Grand Finals than they'd lose. If their Grand Final record was reversed, I'd say sure. Also, for this past year, I mean, the games that got them to their top four position and into a prelim in the first place were certainly not cakewalks. There's a reason I call them Cardiac Collingwood and reference them as such in my song for the year, We Didn't Bounce the Sharon. I mean, some of the really old Collingwood teams... Like in the 1920s and 30s. I believe they are the only AFL team ever to have a four-peat, which was 27 to 30. Yeah, I'd say those teams, I guess it would be more true if we really wanted to be particular about it. But lyrics about like fighting through challenges and overcoming obstacles would be more fitting. But they definitely know how to play. Their barrackers definitely shout, more so than any other, I think. Do they shout more or do they just boo more? Both. Yeah, I'd say both. Yeah, other than the Premiership being a cakewalk, I see no problem with this, and I just have not grown to dislike Collingwood. Probably mostly because Mason's on the team, also just because I like a lot of their personalities. I was one to get attached to the good side of Jack Ginnivan early, because I don't know, just kind of some sort of American showmanship about him in a way that I appreciated. Because like you see American athletes kind of making gestures to the crowd all the time, and I like players that that embrace that side of things. And I think it's more that we don't we aren't like regularly surrounded by obnoxious Collingwood fans that makes it easier to like them. I'm sure like living in Australia, it's a completely different experience. Particularly in those areas around Melbourne. Kinda everywhere, but especially Melbourne. I mean I believe that survey that said the Swans were the biggest fan base had Collingwood as second. So probably. Down a tier now into the C tier. This one has two songs. Again, Ethan rated both of these at eight and I rated both at six. And both of these are clubs where there are definitely some problems upstairs at the very least. Yeah, um, we're a happy team at Hawthorne or the Mighty Fighting Hawks, depending on how you refer to it. Um, I think the we love our club could be questioned with the whole thing that went on with Alistair Clarkson and Chris Fagan and also with just the roughness of the recent president, board election. Yeah, so are are also truly happy? Well, not just are they happy, they're certainly not one for all and all for one. Yeah, there's definitely some splintering and fracturing there. You could also argue about the playing to win with that they're kind of setting their goals more. We want to win flags long-term instead of barely squeak into final short-term. I think that's fine. I think that's still playing to win, but if you're looking through like a very narrow lens, only looking at like, you know, this coming year, for example. Yeah, then then you could kind of pause on that. But I think that one I have no issue with how they're going about it. If they I stick think- with it, if they stick with it, if they keep to playing this longer game and see this rebuild through, then yes, playing the win would be fine. If that doesn't happen and we decide to revisit this sort of song scrutiny in a couple years, we'll have much lower opinions of Hawthorne's song. Stick with the rebuild. It's the right decision. We've seen too many teams across American sports not rebuild until it's too late. Hi, San Jose Sharks. Or teams that are just, you know, trying to end the rebuild too early more than start it too late. Then I think that's more accurate for this one is that they're trying to end, you know, I guess, yeah. Which would be more akin to like, I don't know, the Detroit Tigers. And the Tigers, for reference, have not made the playoffs since 2014. All right, our other song in this tier, When the Saints Go merging In, this one is kind of along the lines of "Rio," and that there's not much to object to, but it's pretty short and it's the shortest by pure lyrics. And it only really works if it's being sung from the point of the supporters. You know, it can't really be from the point of the players. Also, you know, a supporter who's on board with what they're doing because if you want to be with Kilda right now as they're marching in, I kind of think you're masochistic. I think they're much further off from success than where the club thinks they are with bringing in Ross Line. I mean, that said, I still couldn't come to a decision if Ratton's a good coach or not. It's just the timing was weird. Again, right before the trade period, you have the sacking. You'd want to have the new coaching staff in place by then so that You have an identity and you can build around that for the trade period. Instead, they did fuck all. I think we're going to learn pretty quickly next year just how good a coach Ratton was because we're going to have something to compare it to. The D tier. Two songs again. A lot of these tiers are two each, interestingly. And, well, there's two parts of this D tier. But at this point, I guess this gets a failing grade if you're going by American grading standards. But first up, Pride of South Australia First off, I've always thought it's weird, and I might have mentioned this before, that, you know, on the first one, they don't say we're the mighty Adelaide Crows. It's just we're known as the Adelaide Crows. just kind of like, are you too timid to say you're mighty? Yeah, uh, we're the Crows. Sup, how you doing? Hi, how are you? That doesn't exude a lot of confidence to me. I mean, you can't deny that they're known as the Crows. I have an issue with calling themselves the pride of their state. I mean, they were the first of the AFL teams in the state, and they got two flags to Ports 1 of the most recent grand final appearance for the state, but in the past five years, they haven't gone anywhere close to what Ports done. I mean, we were so shocked that they had that showdown victory for a reason, even though those are always close games. I'd like to examine over the next few years and see, as each club kind of goes through different levels of success, which one is more popular, because I don't think It's as obvious a gap as you have in the West or Queensland or New South Wales. So are they really the pride of South Australia? The other one, big, big sound, the forbidden music. Well, first off, I don't think we hear much because their attendance numbers suck. In New South Wales, in Canberra, their attendance numbers are great. And again, more and more evidence that Canberra needs their own team to support. They deserve it. And hopefully by having... The Giants, at the showground for all their home games, they could be able to build up a more consistent base of attendance as well. I don't think it will, but um, it will require more on-field success for that. And, I mean, they have that much faster than their older expansion brethren in the Suns, and I'm not going to dispute that. Well, let's see. Okay, if they were to move to Canberra, hypothetically, you know, you can change lyrics to be, you know, like the the grand old Canberra Giants, the mighty Canberra Giants. You'd do something in there, but it would be from the south of the town because Manica Oval is on the kind of south end of Canberra. Yeah, really, I can identify the last point at which their sound was really big, and it was the opening goal from Jeremy Cameron in the 2019 Grand Final. Uh, you could also throw in maybe their performances against the Swans in the 2021 Sydney Derby act the scg as well as that elimination final but you know with the elimination final it's tough because that was probably in tasmania i think it was in launceston you're correct but even then how big was the sound especially when new south wales was locked down on to the d minus tier i guess if we're going by harry potter grades this is dreadful and the last tiers after that will be troll or are any of these low enough to be troll i think one of them is yeah i think one of them is way way lower than the others even if numbers wise it isn't that much worse I think there's still just like you'll you'll see there's like a big oof at one point Ooh. I had this one rated a good deal lower than Ethan and that's see the bombers fly up Um, some players they just drafted were born after their last finals win and considering how their upper management fucked with the team and coaching this past year and just the fact that they've gone through two presidents this off season. No, I don't think flying up fits for them at all. Why'd you give this a seven? Because I think it's like, you know, it's their aspirations rather than anything they're actually doing. The other teams, they don't fear. They all try their best, but they can't get near. No, they certainly got near and surpassed us in this past year and a lot of recent history. Hope that 2021 isn't an anomaly for them. But right now, it looks like one. I don't think they fear other teams, considering how they've played against the Swans. It's you know They don't seem to play especially better or worse against an opponent based off of their standing in the ladder. All right, but they all try their best, but they can't get near, at least. Well, what if they all trying their best refers to the Bombers and how they can't get near a flag? <laughs> ah, okay. You know, it's probably... Well, it's almost certainly not the intent, but if you look at it through the right lens, then it's totally factual. And otherwise, it's, you know, it's one of those like, this is what we want to do, not what we've actually accomplished. Where do you think Essendon sees themselves ahead of this season, kind of having to restart things in now the Brad Scott era? I have no idea. I don't think finals can be an expectation right away or should be, but then again, their leadership's kind of fucked. The other one in the D tier, we both rated at a six, and the West Coast Eagles certainly weren't flying high this past year, so hopefully it truly is more than winning that matters to them. I mean, they've certainly got a pretty loyal fan base, one of the largest, largest membership pretty reliably alongside Richmond, but within the past four years, really in their decline since the 2018 premiership, and this past year especially, a lot of their songs became false. They did not show us why they're the big birds and kings of the big game. I think it depends on what you consider the big game, because if the big game is just the grand final, considering that they won the best grand final, you could say, yeah, they are. Now, if you consider the big game to be any final, you know, their most recent experience one point lost to Collingwood at home. You look at the Western Derby and how Frios kind of flipped the script there. So Frios won the past three. So then it gets tough. I don't know, I was just really soured by this past year and realizing how they've held on to their premiership core for too long. And I think they're starting to write the shift there by going for more local talent in the draft, but it's going to take some time. And I'm far from convinced that Adam Simpson is the right coach for that rebuild. I think his style has gotten stale, just far too predictable at this point in most of what he's done, kind of swinging things around to start the movement. Hopefully he gives guys like Brady Hoff some more free reign, because I really like what I saw out of him and how they were able to work more of that corridor, whereas they had seemed averse to doing that for much of the season. Um, I, I'm still bothered that it's born is Pride instead of born in Pride, or that Pride is born from isolation. Yeah, I, it's it's an awkward first lyric. Also... Yeah, Birds of Tokyo are alright, it just it just isn't the right musical vibe for a team song. And I'll keep saying that. There's a reason it was at or near the bottom of our club song rankings. I think it was tied for the bottom. We're on to the F tier. Now, this first one in the F tier ranked 17th out of 18 on Veracity. I think some of it may depend on whether you count the spoken section or whether you just do the singing section because the spoken section isn't on any of the official recordings. I hope we start hearing the hearts-to-hearts and hands-to-hands, etc. a lot more for North, because I like a lot of what they have, and they're just not really an objectionable team to me, even with Alistair Clarkson at the helm. I will say there are a few things about this song that are accurate that kind of help save the raid. I think North Melbourne is generally on the ball. Like They had some individuals rack up really good possession numbers. Maybe that was because nobody else could do it, so it was a few guys hogging it. We'll see if maybe Jed Anderson's departure hurts in that regard. But, you know, when the players sing North Melbourne will be premiers, that's, you know, like the version the players sing, that's extremely far-fetched. At least they qualify with just you wait and see, because it seems like we'll have to wait for a long time to see that. I mean, I'll give them credit for saying that they come out to play just for recreation's sake to pass the time away, and it certainly did look like that at times this year. At the same time, because of that, they don't look like the team that wins to play for you and me. Two wooden spoons in a row, a percentage of 55.8 this past year, are enough to believe they could decline just about 15% from the year prior, but they did. You had joked at one point that it could be like North Melbourne will be premiers in 2033. But the thing is, I think like 2028 would be more reasonable and that just doesn't really fit the rhyming scheme. Yeah, it kind of has to be a three-year, unfortunately. Yeah, but maybe after they, if they win a game early on, they'll sing, you know, North Melbourne will be premiers in 2023. It would be, it would be neat if they sang that. I don't think they're going to do it. No, because I think it would get debunked pretty damn quickly, but I kind of like the idea. But we've built it all up to this point. If you've been tracking who we've been talking about, there's one team remaining and they were the impetus for Ethan creating this in the first place. I mean, this last club's song is bookended by some lyrics that you can't really deny the truth of. I mean, they certainly do wear navy blue. And they're old. Here's the thing, though. We're the team that never lets you down. That's really the big one that couldn't be more false. you know. And not just with the dick punch their fans got at the end of this past season. Four straight losses, starting with... One that surprised me even though the Crows play better at home, but still, 29 points? The rest you expected, but yeah, just double dick punch with two last 2 minutes losses. I mean, you let Jake Melchum score four goals and then let him assist on Kazi's winner, that's bad enough, and then falling by one point to your rivals to end the season is another crime. And leading that one pretty comfortably, and the horrible turnover with about a minute left, and, and, and. Yeah, um, we keep our end up? No, you fucking don't, Blues. We're the only team all Carlton knows. I think that's not true anymore. You know, maybe before the digital era, but at this point, I there's less correlation between, you know, what neighborhood of Melbourne you're in and what club you support. With other champions they like to send up, I mean, they played a lot of higher-ranking teams tough for a while and then fell apart. I mean, about half this song was proven to be untrue this year, in like a couple of moments, not you know, over the course of a huge body of work over the last four rounds. And when we're looking about the veracity of songs, we can a lot of times look at you know a longer window as we did with Richmond. But in the three years we've watched the AFL, eleventh, thirteenth, and then they fired their coach, and ninth after a precipitous drop from fourth as of round thirteen, and seventh as of round 20 and even 21 look i'm gonna take a break from just outwardly shitting on them for a Can you could you say could you say that more clearly you, you covered your your mouth look i'm gonna take a <clears throat> look i'm gonna take a break from just outwardly shitting on them for a moment and try to give you know, a more honest opinion i think this next year they're were really tough team to peg because on one hand The legal have had a year to kind of get caught up and adjust to how they play. Second, it wasn't like anything that they were doing under Michael Voss was super groundbreaking. It was mostly just play fast and play to your offensive strengths and have really strong second quarters because of that. But also, they've got talent. I mean, that really wasn't anything you could deny before this year. I mean, the individual talent was present and Voss was able to put a lot of that together because, I mean, you look at the Carlton roster, you look at the list going into the season, and you think, yeah, we've got some good ones here. You know, I'm glad that they were able to make do with the pieces they had in the back. I'm glad that Jacob Weedery had other good players around him to make things a lot even though there were some injuries there, including his own, to help lighten his load a bit, etc. And the addition of Adam Chira looked better and better as the season went on. But with a lot of coaches, you expect regression, In a coach's first year as the season goes on and then you expect a further aggression as the league has now figured them out. How much will that be the case for Carlton and how much will that end up factoring into their final position? I must admit getting Blake Akers at the price they did was pretty savvy, but how much will that do on its own? I think they're going to be one of the more fun teams to follow next year because like nothing they could do will surprise me. They could... Beat anyone by 50, lose to anyone by 50, and say, yeah, that checks out. I feel like nothing could really surprise me when it comes to the Gold Coast Suns this coming year as well, and because of that, I'll be really excited to watch them as well. I think that also kind of fits Port Adelaide. After starting 0-5, I guess so. So yeah, if you want three teams from different states to really watch for next year, those would be my three. So that's uh, that's kind of it. That's... Basically it for season one. This is kind of an unceremonious ending, but we want to do something fun to round out the year and we hate all the just year in review shit that we see on all sorts of sports media. If you want to go back and review the last season, go find highlights of the Cats beating everybody because that was fun. That was a great part of last year. And actually, maybe start with the loss right before the streak began. Start with how bad they looked in the second half against St. Kilda. And then look at the progression from week to week. That's what you need to watch. And also, if you want to really look at how we think of each of the 18 teams, I mean, obviously we spent a lot of the time on the Cats because, I mean, Ethan's a member, but also, you know, go back and listen to our So You Didn't Crack the 8 episodes for the non-vitalists, and then at the start of Each round of the finals for their preview episodes that we did, we went over post-mortems for the other teams that had gotten eliminated right before as well. So there's more of an individual breakdown for the teams there. I really hope that next year's recordings end where this year's did with the cats on top. I don't know if we're going to be quite fair. I still feel decent about the odds of the cats being strong. It's just a matter of how strong. If I had to pick right now, though, I would say... I hinted at this briefly, but if you know, I had to give you a prediction right now. Lions over the Swans in the grand final. We talked earlier today, I had said Brisbane and Sydney are two teams that I really like for this coming year for various reasons. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw two finals matches from them, like a 2-3 and then the grand final. Happened for West Coast and Collingwood four years ago, and I don't really know where we're going to be for a lot of next year either. You might be moving out, I may be back in school somewhere else. Fucking nerd. I want my teaching credential. But yeah, I mean, I really enjoy recording in person like this. It makes editing a whole lot easier too. And regardless of how we do these episodes, hopefully you've been enjoying them and hopefully we'll be getting some guests on in the coming year with the connections we've started to make with people across the US as well as in Australia. So a lot to look forward to into 2023 and beyond for us. You know where to find us at this point. Twitter, American Studi, Eves, Benjamin HK one One. I'm Castle Media. Brian, who was in the room briefly. Instagram, Katney and Brian. And, um, I mean, we've always had trouble ending episodes, and I guess we have trouble again here. So bye.